Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Jana Panaritis, and you're listening to the AgeWise podcast, where we give you strategies for aging well and wisely. And how do you do that when on top of struggling to meet the demands of your own life, you're also caring for an aging parent or a spouse, or maybe you're caring for another member of your family? Well, we're here to help. Each week, we'll hear from the experts, professionals in the field of aging, and people like you, unsung heroes rising to the occasion of caring for a loved one and finding unexpected rewards along the way. So stick around for some straight talk on aging in all its unpredictable glory. Susan Reed has her hands full. Like a lot of caregivers, she's juggling the demands of her own life with attending to the needs of her aging parents. Three, in this case, but I'll let Susan explain that. She's a writer, and she tutors math and science in the afternoons. And she joins us from Pleasanton, California. Susan Reed, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Let's set the stage by giving the listeners a little bit about your background. I grew up in California's Central Valley, and... We lived in middle-class Ozzie and Harriet neighborhood, white picket fence and all, dog and a cat. I had a brother and a sister. I was the oldest of three. And my father worked as an engineer, and my mother was at home with us. She was a homemaker. I went to school in Central Valley, in Bakersfield. And when I went away to college, I moved north to San Jose, California. Okay. And tell us about your career path, because you've done some really interesting things. No. So uh, when I went to San Jose State University, and I started as an English major. I lasted about one semester and realized science was pretty fantastic. And so I changed to microbiology and ended up getting my undergraduate degree in medical microbiology. I did an internship in a local hospital and got a medical technology degree focusing on microbiology and worked in a bacteriology lab. And so I did that for about probably about 18 years, and got married. We had infertility problems. We adopted one son, ended up having two girls, and the girls are considerably younger, about 10 years younger than their brother, 10 and 12 years old, younger. Mm-hmm. And I took a couple years off, played mommy, and had a master's degree in education because I figured I could use that master's degree, teach school, and be with the children on summer vacations and weekends mm-hmm. and daytimes. So I did that. I started teaching high school. I taught um, physics. I taught chemistry. I taught biology, advanced placement biology. And I retired about three years ago mm-hmm. and started tutoring. Okay. So I have a, a nice tutoring job in the afternoon. I have only four students this year, but that's plenty. It fills most afternoons. Uh-huh. And how old are your kids now? My son is 39. Mm-hmm. The girls are 30 and 28. Okay. And do they live near you? Our oldest daughter lives about half a mile away. Our youngest daughter lives in Seattle, and our son lives in Santa Rosa. When we're all very close, probably talk on the phone every two or three days. And you're close to your parents, it sounds like, growing up. Is that true? Oh, absolutely. Summer vacations, we always went somewhere in the family station wagon and with all the kids piled in. My mother was a very clever woman. We She always made do with very little. She had grown up in the Depression, and so she knew how to make costumes. She knew how to make parties that for nothing. And so we always had 
something going on. It was lovely. Okay, so you just came back from a trip to Mexico, which your husband orchestrated as a respite from your caregiving duties. So tell us about that. Were you completely off the grid? We were. We were in a small village north of Manzanillo, and it's on the west coast of Mexico. And we had rented a house there. It sounds more elegant than it was. It was a lovely Mexican-style home with a little pool. And mornings we would get up and have our coffee and sit by the pool. I would write. He has taken up drawing. He does pencil drawings. He would work there. So it was just kind of our time. It was lovely. We could walk into town for a drink in the evening and watch the sun go down. Not much planned. Mm-hmm. And you were there for the entire month, were you? We were there for the entire month. Uh-huh. Of February. Wow. So who cared for your parents in your absence? Tell us about your folks and your mother-in-law. My mother-in-law is in a safe place. She is in a dementia unit. Her needs are all met. Mm-hmm. She doesn't think so, but <laughs> they are. <laughs> she complains a lot. Um, my parents live independently. They live in a small home about half a mile from us. We have a triangle. My daughter lives in one angle, I live in one angle, and my parents live in one. And my daughter has been absolutely lovely. That's Karen. She's the middle one. She's been absolutely lovely at taking care of Grandma and Grandpa, um, bringing groceries when they needed. But um, my mother is almost 87, and she is very feisty. She rides what we call the short bus, which is our little local paratransit. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> she makes appointments during the week for the bus to pick her up. She can go to get groceries. She takes herself to her medical appointments, and she even takes Daddy when he needs to go. So they're pretty self-sufficient in many ways. We have what's called Meals on Wheels, and mm-hmm. food's delivered to them every day between 10.30 and 12.30, and it's cooked at the local hospital, and it comes to them delivered. So they have one good meal a day, which they do not have to think about cooking. Mm-hmm. And that's really nice. It's donation only costs us about $3 a meal if we want to donate. It's very fantastic. That sounds so great. They, they did okay. Emotionally, she missed me a lot. <laughs> My phone bill from Mexico was just, I just got, and it was a, a little higher than usual. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> she, she would call just to say hi. Oh. <laughs> But it was okay. We were in Hawaii right after Christmas. We were in Hawaii three weeks, then came home, checked into things, made sure things were okay, and then we were gone for a month. So we've only been home about three weeks this year so far. Mm-hmm. Two weeks this year, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you travel a lot, do you worry about your parents every time you go? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so so are you like on a little bit on edge even when you're gone? Yeah, I worry about it, but there's telephones. They know how to dial 911. It's like leaving your 16 or 17-year-old and going away for a weekend. You know, they could probably burn down the house. Yeah. <laughs> you might have a wild party, but probably nothing can't be fixed. Right. <laughs> and really, what's the worst thing that can happen? My mother goes, what could happen? We could die. She goes, we'd probably do all you here anyway. I said, well, that's right. <laughs> oh, God. She's got a great sense of humor. She's got a great sense of humor. So do your siblings, are they involved with your mom? with your caregiving how many siblings do you have i have a sister and a brother a sister and a brother and both of them live they live in reno nevada which kind of precludes the everyday stuff but they haven't been extremely helpful in most ways (laughs) in most ways so you're, you're basically the primary caregiver and they live close by so tell us about their health generally your your mom and your dad my mother's been diabetic for about the last 35 years. Mm-hmm. She's a little frail. She had an episode about two years ago, no, about a year and a half ago, 
which brought all this to a head. That's when I became involved. She has diabetic complications and kidney failure. On the list of doctor things, she's had most everything. Yet, of the two of them, she is the most resilient. She's like the little pink bunny. My father, he has some dementia, and it's hard to tell at 90 if it's senile dementia or if it's Alzheimer's early. He forgets some things. He gets confused some. His health is good. His health is great. His mind is not so, and my mother's just the opposite. My mother has set up her easel in her kitchen again, and she paints. She does lovely acrylics, and so... I can tell when she's feeling well because her paints are all out. So she's an artist. Mm -hmm. She has started writing. I encourage her to write memoirs of things she remembers as a child. And so in June, I started putting them all on the computer. And she did watercolors to go with each of the stories. So last Christmas time, my husband and I printed all these off and bound them. And we made probably 20, 22 copies for kids, grandkids, and great-grandkids for Mm -hmm. Christmas. She has the energy and the insight to know how to do these things still. So your parents are really independent still? Yes, frail, but independent. Frail, but Mm -hmm. independent. That's incredible. I mean, because they're they're getting up there. They are up there. (laughs) They're up there. Yesterday, I had to pick my mother up to get her nails done. It was raining, so I didn't want to go out, so she had her nails done, and I did some errands and came back. And she still... She dresses meticulously. Um, they go to church on Sunday mornings. Somebody will pick them up and take them and bring them back. I had their driver's license taken away about a year ago. And wow. so we got them a golf cart and where they live in a little gated community, and they can drive around in their golf cart. Exactly. So they like to go watch and play bocce ball. They have a little farmer's market in the back for them on Saturdays, mm-hmm. and it gives them a little bit of freedom to get out and around on their own. They're in a safe community, really, which yes. it's not like they're in a suburban neighborhood where lots of things could go wrong. Yeah, it's still, you know, it, she will call me. I told her not to call this morning. I was going to be busy. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so after this, I have to run out and get some groceries. And I thought, well, I'll pick up what she needs besides. So I'll go over to their house, and they're always happy to see me. Mm-hmm. Well, you're the only child they see now with any That's regularity. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the granddaughter. So my daughter. Right. Use them quite often too, but yeah, we were about the only ones who come by, except the visiting nurse and the meals on wheels. <laughs> right. So, what's an average day like for you? An average day. Oh, I get up and try to write a little bit. Mm-hmm. Try to exercise. I, I do yoga and then I do some aerobics, which is really important to get, keep my brain centered. And errands, usually something for them. I usually see. I probably see them once a day, even if it's only fifteen minutes to run. Well, because they're so close. They're so close, right? Um, Have they always lived close to you? No. Before this incident a year and a half ago, they lived in Sonora, which is a mountain community about um, two hours and 15 from here. Wait, what happened a year and a half ago? My mother had, nobody can really tell us what went on. She had some kind of episode, either heart or diabetic or a combination of both, and she ended up in intensive care, and I honestly believe that was it. When she really came around, they had to airlift her down to a, a bigger hospital. And when she came around, she couldn't walk. She didn't know me. And I thought this wasn't a good sign. Wow. And at that point, I was driving back and forth to Central Valley and to Sonora. And I was on the road a lot. And I just couldn't take it. And we moved them down to Pleasanton. And she was in rehab in Pleasanton for about eight weeks. At which time, the little pink bunny decided she was going to walk again. Mm-hmm. And she got up, she went to physical therapy, and when they released her from rehab, she used a walker. She got home, and she decided she wasn't going to use that walker anymore, and she did more and more 
physical therapy. Well, she walks now without a walker. So we we moved them down here, and so my my job got tremendously easier right. because I wasn't driving. So can you give me some sense of what your life was like when your parents weren't living near you versus now in terms of your caregiving responsibilities? As far as my caregiving responsibilities, yeah. it's like in the paper, my dad would call and I'd say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay, are you fine? How's things? Call me in two hours. Mm. That kind of okay. I was pretty much hands-off, and I tried to go up there about, oh, twice a month just to make sure everything was okay. They had a house-cleaning lady. They lived in a small community with a lot of friends around them, and my dad could drive. So it was such a small community. Driving wasn't the problem. Where we are now, we have busy streets, we have freeway, and that wasn't going to work. Yeah. <laughs> Soon after he moved to here, he decided to visit my mother in rehab. And <clears throat> I told him not to drive the car at dark, and he did. It was dark and it was raining. He went to see her, and he was gone for about five hours. And we called the police because we didn't know where he was. And if you're over 80 in our community, the police file missing persons right away. And he'd gotten about mm, 30 miles away from home, had a flat tire in the rain, found some nice guys at a biker bar. Oh, <laughs> wow. Tire. Oh, wow. <laughs> and sent him home. And apparently the young man at the gas station saw him when he pulled in and had recognized him from before and took him home. There were angels in his path that night. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so at that point... Your parents were in Pleasanton, and your mom was in rehab there, and your dad was... Yeah. Okay, so he... Living in the little house, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So they've only moved near you fairly recently. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So how does that feel to have them close by? Um, oh, it's, it's a little bit hectic, but they raised me, and they took care of me when I was little, and I couldn't do anything for myself. So mm. I'm feeling like this is kind of the way it is. I went through a period probably a year ago, where I was, it was a poor me thing, and the stress was really getting to me. I'd lost some weight. I was crying a lot. Um, I woke up one morning, and I had spots all over my neck. Hmm. looked like fingerprints. I went to the doctor. She goes, it looks like a trauma. I said, I can't think of what it might have been. I said, she goes, it looks like somebody's been choking me. I said, I feel like someone's choking me. And then I told her the whole story. She goes, someone is choking me. It was just me doing it to myself. You know, it was just it was too much stress. So that's when I got back into my exercise routine. That's when I really got started writing some more. Um, I had some things published which made me very happy. And then I realized I can't do it all. And I started getting a house cleaning lady for them. Then I got meals on wheels and unloaded a whole lot of stuff. You know, fortunately, they have the means to afford that. Right. Well, I was going to ask you, um, you know, how caregiving has affected your family's finances, your parents, because it's obviously a huge issue in families. It's a huge issue, but financially, they are financially independent. My dad worked for AT&T. Mm-hmm. He's an engineer, and at the time he retired, he had a great pension. Mm-hmm. Their medicals paid for 100%, Wow, which is huge. Mm-hmm. So financially, they're comfortable. Not wealthy by any means, but they are comfortable. Probably comfortable enough to last their lifetime. The same f- with my husband. Mm-hmm. My husband's mother, she's in, she's in way assisted care, but... There was money enough for her, and she's 91, that she should be fine. But, you know, money's a huge deal. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're in a pretty good place now Mm -hmm. with regard to your parents and caregiving with them. 
but you did go away for a month. So I was very hesitant. My husband wanted to do this. He thought we needed to do this, and I was fearful. And it's a long ways to go. We're planning for next year, and we're thinking about Palm Springs, which is in California, mm-hmm. and it's warm and sunny. But we can drive there and drive back if we need to. So it's a consideration where we go and when we go to be sure things are covered. You know, our daughter is 30. She has her own life, her own circle of friends. and So we have to be sure that somebody could be here. My mother's a frequent flyer in the emergency room, so they kind of know her. And every <laughs> once in a while, she has to pop in for a few hours. You're kidding. All her diabetes is terrible. Oh, <laughs> So when you were gone for a whole month, were there any emergencies? So tell us about some of those. Oh, my goodness. My daughter, I guess mom and dad had gone to church and came back, and she wasn't feeling well. She never complained overtly. You can just tell she's not well. And then when she does call, it's always, I think I need to go to the emergency room. Oh, okay. So my daughter took her on a Sunday afternoon. And I have often taken the emergency room and leave her for a couple hours and call, call and see how she's doing. But my daughter's young, and she's just so concerned. And so she sat with Grandma all afternoon long. And all they did was they start an IV, and they run fluids and make sure she's hydrated and her glucose is the right level, and they send her home again. And so Karen sat with her all afternoon. And my daughter's medical as well, and so she talks to the doctors, talks to the nurses, and then she has care over Mom and Dad when we're gone. I see. So she can make decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> So she handled it quite well. She was glad when we came home. (laughs) Okay, so when your daughter was caring for them in your absence, did she report any stress when you came back? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, while we were there. (laughs) Really? Was she calling you too? Yes, she was calling me too, yes. She works her 80 hours in the hospital. Then she tutors as well. She tutors Spanish in the afternoon. Oh, wow. When does she have time for that? Wait, what does she do at the hospital? (laughs) Uh, she does quality control and infectious disease control. Wow. They monitor any in, any infections in the hospital or anything in the community. Like when Ebola was out, she was Ebola specialist. Uh-huh. Now with Zika, she's been doing classes on Zika virus about prevention and spread and stuff. So she's their go-to for infectious disease. Uh huh. And what hospital is that? It's in San Ramon, about 15 minutes away. Mm-hmm. And she also tutors. <laughs> she tutors. When does she have time? Well, she gets off at 4.30, and sometimes she'll meet somebody at the library or go to their house. Mm-hmm. She just bought a new home. Mm-hmm. And if you know California property, she, she needs the She needs to tutor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, she's, mm-hmm. kind of, she's kind of by nature, by virtue of what she does, she's pretty grounded in care to begin with. Yeah. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so she's probably going to be the one who takes care of you and your husband in your older years. Oh, I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. We've got a big house. She is <laughs> You better start making it senior friendly right now. <laughs> oh, we have actually, because when my mom and dad used to come down from Sonora, we had had bars put on the bathroom walls, grab bars in the guest room. And so mm-hmm. we've already started doing some stuff. You get very mindful of steps up, steps down, all kinds of things like that. So when we remodeled the back bathroom, the toilet's a little bit higher and, and got grab bars on it. Uh-huh. Yep. Do your parents... <laughs> we're all getting there. Yeah, seriously. So in an emergency, they call you. If something happened to yeah. them, though, and they couldn't call you, do they have, like, call buttons or a medic alert system or... No, they don't. When they came down here, I got my mother a cell phone. She had never used a cell phone before. It's just a little Nokia, this little cell phone we got at Target. And I put her on the family plan. And Uh so whenever she goes out on a little bus, 
Uh-huh. She has to carry a cell phone. And I even got her one little, little extra energy pack to put on it in case she forgets to charge it up all the way. <laughs> that was really smart. <laughs> She's been left at the doctor's office a couple times and she'll call. Uh-huh. Can you come get me? I can sit here a long time. Oh. <laughs> she carries a little bag and she has a novel with her and a crossword puzzle and her phone and, and an energy bar and water. And she's 87. Yes. (laughs) Jeez. And your dad is how old? He'll be 90 in May. Oh, gosh. Your parents sound so so healthy, though, in so many ways. I mean, your mom's got the diabetes, but she's still doing things on her own. Yes. Occasionally, we go over, we play Scrabble. Dad has to be helped a little bit. We play dominoes some night. They're both up to a gin and tonic now and again. So we, we pick them up and bring them to our house for dinner sometimes, which is an outing. They'll stay an hour and a half, maybe, and they're ready to go home. <laughs> that sounds so familiar. So what is it like for you emotionally? How these changes that you've seen, especially in your dad? I mean, if you're close to your parents and you see these changes, it can be tough. It makes me sad because I, I remember the vital man that he was. Um, he forgets words sometimes. And he has what's called sundowners. And he gets sometimes evenings. He's just belligerent, just cranky. Mm-hmm. And he started saying something one night. I can't even remember the conversation. And I tried to correct him and I saw my mother shake her head. And he looked at me and it was a look that I didn't even recognize. And he said something really mean and I started crying. And mm-hmm. I went home. And the next day he called and goes, I am so sorry. I don't know what came over me. But it's hard to remember that at yeah. the moment. Yeah. So, uh-huh. And he still has a funny, wicked sense of humor that comes out every now and again. He reads the newspaper cover to cover every morning, does the crossword puzzles. And sometimes they don't make sense, but it, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so just to go back a minute, for the listeners who don't know, explain what Sundowners is. Sundowners. So when, with dementia, in the late afternoons, early evenings, sometimes the thinking is more scattered. Sometimes the personality changes a little bit. I think it has to do with just the mind being so tired by the end of the day with so much input Mm -hmm. that it's hard for people to straighten everything out. And then it gets frustrating. And then sometimes it turns to anger. And it's not every day, but it's some days. How does your mom handle How does she handle it? Sometimes she just goes in and watches Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune. (laughs) Uh Wow, she's a survivor, huh? She is a survivor. Again, I could say she lived in Bakersfield in the Depression. She was one of the Oki migrants that came out from Oklahoma yeah. in 1931-32, I think. She's from Strong Stock. Absolutely. <laughs> so what about your mom? Have it, has it been hard for you to see any changes in her? You know, it, it has, and sometimes I want to go shopping alone, and she wants to go because she wants to get out. And I've described it sometimes as taking an elderly toddler with you. <laughs> I have to be sure she's standing up and she's okay. The best places to shop are like a department store, like we have Kohl's, which mm-hmm. has baskets mm-hmm. because she can push them. And so she walks better. Yeah. Or the grocery store because she can push the basket and it makes her more stable on her feet. But it, she's still, she's pink, she's starting to write, so she's really super active in her mind. And uh, she's always sewn really well and she's frustrated because she can't thread a needle very well anymore. So, and she, because of her diabetes, she doesn't see very well. I mean, adequate. She reads, watches TV and such like that, but the small stuff she can't do. When we had her license taken away, she says, when daddy's went, she goes, well, that's okay. I can still drive. And I said, you haven't driven in about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Oh, she goes, I can still do it. I said, mom, you can't see. She goes, well, I can see out of one eye. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> 
not such a good idea. <laughs> How did your dad react to having his license taken away? Oh, God, he was furious. How did you orchestrate that? In California, the DMV will do it by request, and they won't say who requested it. And so I went to their doctor, and I said they shouldn't be driving. She goes, oh, I didn't know they were. (laughs) So she contacted DMV, and DMV sent them both a letter. And so they blamed it on the doctor. Um, My dad was angry. He says, I'm a veteran. I have my rights. I said, well, Dad, just because you were on a ship in World War II doesn't mean you can drive at 90. (laughs) But it took him a long time. And finally, when we got the golf cart, it gave him a sense of being able to get out and get around a little bit. It's not much, but they even drive all the way around the development and come back to the little post office just to take a ride. So that's okay. They decorated it at Christmas. They put Christmas lights on it and a Christmas wreath on it. They're not the only ones there. Oh, my God. That's so cute. It's kind of like a child's toy car, you know, like one of those small things. Yes, it is. We call it the clown car. The clown car. The clown car. (laughs) First thing he had it, he didn't put it in reverse, and he drove up and over a parking bump. Then he got stuck. And then a bunch of guys had to push it back the other way and get it off the bump. Jeez. Do those things have seatbelts? No. <laughs> oh, that's kind of scary. No. They can't go any more than 15 miles an hour. Oh, okay. It's probably a terrible thing to say, but Jana, what's the worst that could happen? Right. Not like on a freeway when other people are involved. Right. What I have developed is kind of a dark sense of humor about the whole thing. Instead of crying and moaning, I have to find some humor in it all. Because we're all going to be in the same position. My mother, when we went to Mexico, she gave me a brochure on cremation. She goes, please... Be sure Karen, my daughter, has a copy of this. And here's the address and the phone number. I said, okay, thank you. Wow. So both of them know it's coming. She goes, maybe not today. I said, maybe not today, huh? So have you had conversations with them about the end of their lives? Yes. Well, my father doesn't want her to go at all. It's not going to happen. He does not want Mama to go. Mm-hmm. He couldn't stand it. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want to talk about it. My mother's the practical one. She has all the arrangements done. It's in a binder, and it tells us exactly what to do. So hopefully he's first and she's second, or it will be very close. Did you talk about this with her? Yes. Uh And how was that for you, that conversation? That conversation at first was really, really bad, really uncomfortable. I didn't want to think about it. But I see them right now, and, and I can see life tapering off. And I don't think for either one of them it's going to be a horrible, traumatic thing. You know what I mean? I don't I don't. They live to be 90 years old, almost. And I think for them, it's it's a cool down and a going away. Mm-hmm. And both of them go to church. Both of them are Christian believers. And they believe that this is just the end of this life and the beginning of something else, which makes me feel good for them. Mm-hmm. Because there's no fear mm-hmm. of what they're looking forward to. And maybe faith, maybe their religion and faith, maybe that's been something that's brought them this far. You never know. It sounds like your dad, though, apart from his mind, is in pretty good health. Has he had any health issues? He has glaucoma and, and is treated with eye drops. He has a little bit of high blood pressure, but not bad, but not really. How long has he been retired? He's been retired about 30 years. So uh-huh. he's been hanging out. He's been hanging out. He, what he misses here is he has no garage. And when they lived at their house, he had a garage. He always tinkered in the garage. He was always fixing something or building something or working in the yard. So this has been real different for him because he he has a tiny yard and he works out there. He can't do the things he used to. Mom wanted a shelf put up this week and he's got one screw in the wall and the shelf is sitting down still. Oh. <laughs> and that, 
<laughs> so that's probably what I'm doing this afternoon, <laughs> going over either encouraging him or doing it myself. <laughs> he loves his office corner. He has a big desk and office corner, and he arranges it a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. He needs to tinker. I mean, you know, they got to do something with their time. He does. He needs to tinker. He's worked on genealogy. He has, does a lot of stuff in genealogy and likes to write family history stuff. But that's coming less and less frequent. He likes to read a lot now. And uh, it irritates my mother because she's always been used to him up and around and moving and stuff. And she still is. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit more about your siblings. It's tough for you, isn't it, to not have them involved? Yes, it is. My sister is excusable. My sister is 60. She's been diabetic since she was 10. So her health is not good. She does not drive. Her health is much worse than my mother's. She lives in Reno near my brother. My brother has a rental house, and she rents it. So my brother, he checks in on her. He's not a caregiver. He checks in on her now and again. She's pretty self-sufficient. She takes the bus or the taxi and does groceries and doctor visits. My brother lives outside of Reno, and <laughs> he is a kind of a, let's say a free spirit kind of guy. He, he raises goats for milk, and... He also, the goats are rented out, and they clean the highway. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> His goats are rented out to the state of Nevada, and the goats go up and down the edges of the highway, and they clean the weeds. They're weed abatement goats. And this also feeds the goats, which helps them produce milk, which is part of the business, too. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> kind of an unusual person. But he doesn't like this stuff. I don't think he likes to see mom and dad old. Now, we are having a a 90th birthday party for my dad. We have a a big house with a piece of property, and so we're having a big party for kids, grandkids, and great-grandkids. And we should probably have about 50 people here, which should be fun. You know, I think it'll be good for him. They used to travel a lot, so we're going to have a Hawaii theme and Hawaiian music and food and stuff, and they they should like that. Mm-hmm. So, will your siblings come to that? They will come to that. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. The scoop. No, they'll come to that. <laughs> and for them, it's about a about a three and a half hour trek, maybe driving. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. It's not that we far. Haven't. So, how often do your siblings see your parents? Your sister. Well, okay, we that's understandable, but. Yeah, and but when he comes, he brings her over sometimes. Okay. Probably we were all together about about a year ago for Dad's birthday. That's May. a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you resentful but, of them? I was at first, but not now. It's just easier than calling and asking them to do stuff and hearing the excuses. When we moved them from Sonora, I went up with a girlfriend of mine, and we packed everything up and had it moved down because no one else could find the time to do it, and it was huge. <laughs> so you let go of that. I yeah. let go of that. I, there was an interesting article I read about letting go of things that make you angry mm-hmm. because there's such negative emotions that they do you no good. And usually the thing that's making you angry doesn't even know it. But these are all positive things I've learned through the whole situation. Right. That was my next question. What have you learned about yourself, too, through all of about this? About myself? That I, that I can do it. I have a wonderful family base right here. It's just our little family. My husband's been tremendous. And, of course, he's been a son-in-law for about 37 years now. So he knows them like his own parents. It's made me a lot stronger. I know when to let go, and I know when to laugh about things that aren't important. And then a lot of a lot of times I just go, well, it is what it is. <laughs> Nothing I can do about the situation. But I always say, you know, as hard as caregiving is, there are gains to be had. 
oh, yes. Well, I've gotten to know my mom and dad as, as older. Mm-hmm. And I can see what age does to you. My mother told me one time, she goes, we were never made to live this long. I thought, wow, that's interesting. She goes, the reason you don't know how to do it is because used to be people died before they got to be this old. That's such like an interesting him. statement on her part. Uh-huh. So because her parents died in their 70s. So my dad's mother was 91, mm-hmm. and she did live by herself all alone. So you, you said you never anticipated this time in your life, and your parents never taught you how it would be to grow old. What do you think they could have done to prepare you? I really don't know, and I don't know what even like when we have babies, they don't come with an instruction manual, but there's resources. But with aging parents, there are very few resources. When I read your book, I thought, oh gosh, someone else is going through the same thing. Well, we don't really talk it was, about it openly. No, no, we don't talk about it. And then I have a small writing group that I went to yesterday morning. One of the women is younger than me, and she wrote a piece about her mother-in-law. And I thought, oh my gosh, she's where I am right now. I think what I've learned is there are people out there that need help, that need to talk, and sometimes you just need a sounding board. You don't even want someone to tell you what to do. You just want someone to listen to what's going on. Right. And I know, like with your book, it just it was just knowing that there was somebody else there. Somebody else has gone through the same thing. It's a very isolating experience, and we don't really it's deal very with isolating. we don't really deal with older age very well in this country. No, because everything, advertisement, everything else is geared at young. Even when I, when I turned 60, I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm an old woman. And I thought, wow. And now no one even asks if I want to see a discount. They just give it to me. Oh. <laughs> harsh, very harsh. But, yeah, I think our society is focused on youth. And old people, oh, let's not even think about it. Okay. They're smelly and they're funny looking and they don't walk fast. And, you know, <laughs> it is a shame. A lot of cultures revere their, mm-hmm. their ancients. They live in a house with them and everything. We just don't. And I think maybe mobility, we've moved away from each other. Maybe just as strange as the generations. I do know. But you're close to your parents and you've, been with, you've hung in there with them as they've gotten older because you've been close to them for a long time. So you, yeah. it's a natural progression for you. It is. It really is. And I think it wasn't seamless. It was a few months when I was just on the ragged edge, but it's better now. That was before when your mom was in intensive care? Yeah. On the ragged edge. Yeah. <laughs> when she got checked into the hospital, and it was Halloween. And this was a very serious thing for me. And we were very worried about my mother. My father was weepy. Our daughter was with us. We couldn't find her in the hospital. It was Halloween. And people were dressed up in costumes, the nurses and attendants. I'm like, this is really not appropriate. Wonder Woman comes out of one room and here's, you know, Pinocchio. And it's just, I'm going, this is just like a Fellini movie. (laughs) It was really kind of a scary thing. (laughs) You must have been afraid that you were going to lose your mom. I mean. I was, yeah. We thought that was pretty much it. And my dad was just really beside himself. And it was not a good evening and didn't get better for several weeks. (laughs) Yeah. It's so hard to see your parents that vulnerable. To see. Well, this is an interesting story. Interesting segue to what happened yesterday. My father called me about 9 o'clock yesterday morning. He says, can you come to the house? And I said, are you okay? Yeah. He goes, I got a strange phone call I need to talk to you about. And I said, okay. So I got pressed and went over there. And he says, I got a phone call from your son. I said, Garrett? He goes, yeah. He's been in a car accident. And I said, oh, dad, why didn't he call me? He goes, I don't know. And then my mom stepped in. She goes, well, he got a phone call from a young man. And he said, 
grandpa. And my dad says, Garrett, is that you? And he goes, yes. It was a scam. The young man wanted money. He'd been in a car accident, he said, and he needed money for medical. What ended it was, my dad says, let me call your mother. And he hung up. The caller hung up. I was so, so angry. And so I called the police department and they said, oh, you have to contact the FTC. So Federal Trade Commission. I went online and filed a complaint. I had the phone number. And, you know, there are so many of them, but I thought at least I felt like I did something. Because these people are preying on old people and on their sympathy and their emotion. That's where they're vulnerable. And I have no idea where they got the phone number, but the guy knew he was elderly. Maybe the phone number is listed? It's not listed, but they do belong to some of the social services around here. And I'm hoping that somebody didn't get the phone number of all these old people. And so you have to watch out, even house cleaning people and everything, you have to be so very careful. Our senior services in Pleasanton has a list of housekeepers that have been investigated, the background check and everything. So it makes you feel a little better. But you really have to be proactive and on top of it. Absolutely. Yeah, you can't just let it slide. That's why with my husband's mother, she's in a safe place. When she was living on her own caregivers, we had no control at all. And so when she finally got to the point where she couldn't live on her own, that's where she went. And she lives about 45 minutes from here, and she's okay. Uh-huh. Do you she visit her? She is. My husband visits her every couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. My daughter visits her every couple of weeks. My daughter is pretty amazing. She does different things. She'll bring a basket of teacups and teapots to have a tea party oh, one time. That's sweet. She brought a friend with a new baby one time, and the old people love the baby and pass the baby around. Uh-huh. She takes the dog over there. Mm-hmm. Mom loves the dog. She's a border collie mix. So she's a big black and white border collie like dog. Mm-hmm. And very well behaved. And she rides the elevator up and she goes to the unit and the people love her. So the dog is really a good therapy too. Yeah. Karen's very good at working with her, with just bringing in different things to stimulate her, you know, different people or things. Karen's like a super daughter. Karen's a super daughter. <laughs> you got to hold on to that one. If I had drawn blueprints for a child, that would have been better than I'd done. <laughs> so other than the Meals on Wheels being dropped off at your parents' house, there's no one else from the outside coming in. Is that correct? Except the driver, like in the short bus. And okay. then they have a visiting nurse once a week who arranges all their meds for the week. Mm-hmm. And does my dad's blood pressure, um, draws blood if he needs it. Um, so she's usually there a couple hours. Mm-hmm. She usually just chats. Chat has a cup of tea. My daughter has um, a roommate that rents a room in her house. Uh-huh. And this gal's an RN. She's a nurse. Uh-huh. And she's taken a real like for my mom and dad. And she'll take them to church on Sundays. And she takes mom and dad to church, and they usually go out for breakfast afterwards. You've got a real community of support there for your parents. That's right. right. And it's going to come to a, come a point where she can't ride the bus on her own. And yeah. we can actually have we can have somebody take her to the doctor and sit with her and take notes and that you know for pay, mm-hmm. but that's also provided from the community center too. Take her in a private car and take her in. And she's not there yet. I go to the doctor with her sometimes, and she does quite well. That's great. Are there any state or national agencies that you've turned to for support, or what? And and can you talk a little bit about what sort of changes you'd like to see locally or at the no. national level? Pleasanton has a tremendous social services for seniors. My mother is very active. She got a grant to have new double-pane windows put in her house. Wow. So they replaced all of the windows in her house with nice double panes and new sliders. She did that on her own, but that was available. She found it online. She's she's semi-literate on the computer. Wait, your mom Um, is tech savvy at 87? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. (laughs) She can 
order groceries online and the grocery store deliver them. So she got that. She got her windows done. Social services called her the other day and asked if she wanted her windows washed. It's when the rain stops. Yes, she'd like that. Someone called from Pleasanton to see if she needed some work around the house. And her awning needs to be caulked because mm-hmm. it's leaking. And they're mm-hmm. going to come do that. So she, that's available just locally. Really nice. Medicare is good. And her hospitalization would have been devastating had they not had Medicare. But my dad also had uh, good insurance from the phone company. And so between Medicare and the phone company, once they reach a deductible, it's free. And they, this is January. No, this is, this is March. It's been reached already. So the rest of the year, the medical is taken care of, except for medication. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'd like to see pharmaceuticals cheaper. I don't see any reason why they should be so expensive. I know there's certain testing and stuff that goes into it, but as soon as these things are out of FDA approval, then they go on the market cheaper and you get generics. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure why the name brand should be so expensive until they pass FDA. I'd like to see that looked into on a national level, why you can buy the same medications in Mexico mm-hmm. for pennies on the dollar. I can't believe how much medications are even after Medicare pays for them. And it's really, I think it's appalling. The cost of meds that are necessary for people to live. My mother, she uses insulin four times a day. Insulin, uh-huh. And they come in, a nice, this, a little pin, like a EpiPen or something, just a pin that, that you can just put in. But the carrier for the insulin is very expensive, that pin. And so she can come out of pharmacy with $150 worth of, out of her pocket, mm-hmm. which probably many people would say, well, that's okay. Well, for old people, it's not okay because I know a lot of old people who just don't take their meds because they cannot afford that right. copay. And I think for voters, they need to look at who they're voting for just because those policies are going to affect us all someday as an aging population. You know, if you can't afford your medication, those are kind of basic things you need. The Meals on Wheels is subsidized locally. It would be nice if there was some kind of state program. For us in this community, it's very elder-friendly. I work once a month at our local soup kitchen, and those nights I bring food home for them as well for dinner. Mm-hmm. And that's oh, that's locally sponsored, and those are all available for elderly. Mostly where I work, elderly people and working poor, families who do work but just don't have enough money to put it all together. And that's a nice community thing, too, the soup kitchens are. I know almost big cities have some kind of soup kitchen. But again, transportation is difficult for some people who don't have a car, because in California, you know, everything is just so widespread. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a car, it's very difficult to get to place to place. So maybe it even boils down to basic transportation that's needed. Are any of the presidential candidates saying anything that you think is relevant for getting older? <laughs> well, I know who doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> there are many who wish they would all die. I, I personally think Bernie Sanders would be an advocate. Well, Susan, I want to let you go. Uh, Is there anything else that you'd like to say before we get off the phone and any last thoughts you'd like to leave our listeners with? No, it was just really interesting when you first contacted me. And it was just, it was one of those serendipitous things. When you meet somebody that is similar, clear across the country, with similar things happening to them, it makes you realize that we're not in this alone. And it's so good to be able to reach out and bring people out of the place where I was a year ago. It's really fantastic. Susan Reed, it was great having you on the show. It was great. Thanks, Susan. Bye. Bye-bye. And that's our show for today. 
Thanks for listening. I'd love to know what you thought of the episode. You can email me at Jana at AgeWise.com. That's A-G-E-W-Y-Z or Z, as my Canadian mother says. You can also find me online at AgeWise.com and listen to this podcast and lots of other fresh ones on the Speak Up Talk Radio Network, the 24-7 streaming and on-demand radio network that's always on for you. I'm Jana Panaritis. See you next time. Until then, age well, age wise.